Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of the magazine and this is your essential listening for all things food, drink and travel. This week I'm joined by Janine, our food editor, to give our roundup of our favourite books ahead of the autumn season. To celebrate Afternoon Tea Week as if we needed an excuse, I have headed to Fortnum & Mason in Piccadilly in London to try their new tea-inspired ice cream range. Hells yeah! And we have Anna, our lovely cookery writer, sharing her top tips for slow cooking in the summer. And yes, before you say it, that is an actual thing. So keep listening and prepare to salivate. First up, let me please introduce Janine, our lovely food editor, who, along with myself, are going to talk through some of the great cookery books you need to buy this autumn. We've had some great books coming into the office um, over the past few weeks. So thought we'd get together with um, Laura, the editor, and me, Janine, food editor, and talk through the latest releases yeah it's kind of new season for books isn't it so yeah. we're going into autumn now we're kind of yeah late summer moving into autumn so um so yeah I mean I, mean, I don't know I can see the one that you've got it's got <laughs> a, a very similar theme to one of mine yes is- yeah so I've got in my hands I've got Dan Doherty's new book toast hash roast and mash real food every time of the day nice yes I'm excited to I like talk about all mine. of those things <laughs> I do as well um you guys know and hopefully the readers might have gathered now as well I'm a bit of a brunch fan yes. um so your this... avocado skills are legendary yeah I mean I'm a bit of a f- I don't know if I've mentioned it before but I'm a bit of a fan of every avocado week. on toast yeah, all the time um and so yeah this is kind of a dream for me and he we're a big fan of Dan anyway Dan used to write a really regular column for us in yeah. the magazine um, and we've got lots of his lovely recipes online. Um, so it's really nice to see the second book of his come out. So, yeah, this is his second book. His first was called Duck and Waffle Recipes and Stories. So that was from his, his restaurant that he's executive chef yeah. of um, in London. It's a 24-hour restaurant. And if, if you haven't been, guys, you definitely need to. It, the signature dish, Duck and Waffle, yeah, is it's amazing. legendary. And it's got one of the best views in London. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, and there's so many nice things. I went there for my birthday this year and the cocktails are insane too. Yeah. Um, we attempted on a really bad hangover to have um, <laughs> this kind of really dirty martini and it had uh, it was uh, filtered through oyster shells and oh, then had a whole wow. oyster in the bottom as well. <laughs> we were all like trying to be really cool and bravado <laughs> and it just not everyone could finish theirs. I finished oh, really? mine. Okay. Just, yeah just so we all know. 
kudos to me. Um, so anyway, back to this very nice book. Um, so it's it's out this week, actually. So it's out on the 11th of August. And um, it, it's slightly different from his other book because that was kind of more recipes from the restaurant. Whereas yeah, it was this much is, more chef the Duckham yeah, one, wasn't there? Yeah, whereas this is meant to be the food he cooks for family and friends at home. So it's a lot more kind of recipes are a lot simpler. Nice. And then they're divided into these categories um, of the title Toast, Hash, Roast and Mash. So, I mean, I've picked out a few of the recipes that I can't wait to try. Um, it's just really well shot as well. It's by a Danish photographer um, called Anders. I can't pronounce his surname. Shoneman. I'm gonna. I'm pointing. Don't it to, to ask me. the person who can't pronounce anything. <laughs> For anyone who listened to our pronunciation, Shoneman. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Podcast Janine's yeah. now the queen of. of I am the queen <laughs> of pronunciation. Um, but it's really well shot and styled. So from a you know food porn point of view, it's it's just gorgeous, as you would expect from Dan. Um, if any of you follow him on Instagram, his Instagram's just Dan Doherty underscore. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, his pictures are really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm constantly I think he posts an pictures. egg pic every single morning on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says in the book that he has an egg for breakfast every single day yeah. without feeling that's like a man after my own heart. I, I am on the weekend just I'm addicted to eggs. And he's got a, a chapter on eggs. And one nice. of the recipes that I was automatically drawn to was Harissa Bolognese baked eggs with runny cheese. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how good is that? That is so, that is mashing up all sorts of yeah, genres, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I am well keen for that. So he says that um, you know, he's he thinks it's totally justifiable mm. to make a ragu purely for this recipe, and I'm I'm all for that as well. Okay. But he also says it's a great like leftovers dish if you've got a bit of spag bowl minus the spag. Um, then you can just add your your eggs and your cheese to this. But you know, it looks so so good. And there's another one. I, I was a bit obsessed with the egg chapter as well. Yeah, the egg chapter's good. There was a cauliflower curry with mm. boiled eggs and coconut crumble. Oh, that looks great. It and looks this, like a sort of a riff on a kind of um, kedgeree yeah, type thing, Yeah, it, it looks so yummy. And that's another similar one-pot dish. Um, and he said he fell in love with vegetable curries when he was in India and Bangladesh and, and cauliflower was, was his favourite. Mm. And, you know, we're big fans of cauliflower here yeah, at Olive Cauliflower curry is such a, it's such a sort of complementary flavour to cauliflower yeah, as well. really nice. You've kind of got that natural mustardy yeah, heat from the cauliflower, lovely. so it goes really well with spices. And, and the, the crumbly top with the toasted um, coconuts just sounds incredible. So I really, really want to try that one. Stop me if I'm going on because no, it's no, just I, they're I, all so good. I'm actually looking at the pictures and my eyes are getting Drooling. wider and wider. Yeah. What what I'm what I'm noticing because we uh, featured some recipes from Dan from his last book is the the simplification of the recipes. Yeah. I mean they look so much more simple because yeah. obviously with duck and waffle recipes they were quite long because mm. they had to be to get in all the different elements. Yeah. So it looks like he really has sort of made um, a book that that anyone can pick up and cook from. Which yeah, is great. Well, that's the thing. Like you go to a restaurant to have restaurant yeah, meals absolutely. don't you and, and these recipes are so for the home user like that's why I've had so many yeah. that I want to try at home because they're so easy there's one another one this is actually in the pancake section but it features eggs yeah. again um, it's bacon jam and runny eggs on oh, pancakes right. and we've actually got this bacon jam recipe on, yeah, we've online got Dan's bacon jam it's, it's so good. It's really good and we've got another one of his recipes that uses this bacon jam which we featured at Christmas time oh, yeah. as well which was with turnips and things that was just incredible oh, yeah, that, cheek. We, yeah we did a great um, sort of vegetables feature yeah. with him and then 
then some some kind of roast feature as well. Yeah, yeah really so good. good. Stuff. So, and um, we've got a video of how to make that bacon jam online we as do. well. So that's really good if you it's guys fun. want to sort of sneak peek of the sort of things <laughs> Dan's got in there. Um, and just as well, because while I was searching for this, I saw our chorizo jam we have online as yes. well. That's from Treadwell's, which is Marcus Waring's restaurant. Yeah. But that is so good. They are really just good condiments to keep in yeah, there. Keep them in the fridge yeah, for weeks, basically. 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you one more and then I'm going to no, let you talk. I, I want one Janine. more, please. <laughs> yeah, it's one so more, good. Please. So um, there's an avocado and toast recipe, which I'm really happy about. But the one I'm going <laughs> to try soon is the breakfast tacos. Oh, yeah. Again, he's just really an advocate of using kind of what you've got in your fridge. Yeah. And some great ideas and this is just kind of spicy eggs some chorizo um taco shells herbs cheese you know what's not because you love. you could just make that up any way you want exactly really, whatever you've got in there if you had some pancetta in there 100%. or even just any kind of spices in there that's brilliant i know and there's lots of ideas like that will, yeah. that will kind of be starting points for you to adapt and create your own recipes from them that's so I, I just love it i think it's a brilliant book and I can heartily recommend yeah. it. Well, funny you should be talking about tacos. Because... Okay. <laughs> it nicely segues into... <laughs> because I one of the books that I have um, is Bredo's Tacos. Okay, that sounds um, a cool book. And these guys started out as a street food shack in a Hackney car park. Okay, as you do. Um, selling tacos from their shack and now they've got a permanent residence in Shoreditch okay. uh, this is their first book and it's a really lovely book and what's nice about it is even though um, the chef there spent some time in Mexico they've sort of taken some of the the ideas and techniques of a basic taco okay. which is you know a tortilla with with filling and spice and with um, with a salsa yeah. and just really mixed it up so bringing in all sorts of flavours from around the world so can I um, just say I love the cover as well yeah it's lovely it's in. kind of like a target a taco in a target <laughs> yeah so where you know exactly where to plant your your yeah. face <laughs> yeah. in the taco yeah um but yeah it's a it's a really beautiful colorful book it's lots of fun it's a sort of thing that I've, I've been um going back through it today and picking out various recipes I've picked out some some quite slightly wacky ones because okay. I just thought it's good to highlight the sort of things that these guys go down yeah, like the definitely. routes they go down um so, for example, um, they're big fans of beef tartare, and they've they, what they've done is they've made a, a Mexican version of it with um, <clears throat> jalapenos and tomatillos as well, and kind of mixed mm. that all up with um, like very finely diced fillet beef, and then uh, served it up with a little quail's egg on top, and then some salsa, and oh it God. looks absolutely delicious yeah, and kind good. of late summery with a bit of hot sauce on, mm-hmm. um, and then an, another version of. I picked this because I love a a Reuben sandwich, such as you would Mm. get in an NYC deli. Um, And this is a taco, which is, um, it's got Swiss cheese melted onto it, and then it's piled up with pastrami, sauerkraut, and Russian dressing. And I mean, it's so so good. good. I mean, what's the thing about that? So I like the idea of that they've basically, um, at the front of the book, they've given you... um, a few recipes to, to make different kinds of tortillas. I think there's a corn one and there's a rye one and there's a flour one as well. Of course, if you make everything from yeah. scratch as well. So if you want to, you can make your own tortillas or you could just go out and buy some. Right. And then they've um, they've just given you the means to go off and do various. I mean, there are some there are some a couple of traditional ones, but um, for example, there's a um, Baja fish taco. So the the that's the region in California that's mm. um, quite famous for Mexican food. Um, and, and that's quite a traditional one that's got a, a kind of, it's fish, sort of white fish in a spiced batter. 
and then you've got a kind of crema on top and hot sauce and pico de gallo which is a which is a salsa and mm. that looks like a much more trad kind of taco but um but so many different ideas in here even if you just make some of the salsas or some yeah. of the fillings you can kind of mix it all up yourself that's what's quite nice about it it's very much mix and match yeah who um, knew there was so much you could do yeah tacos. exactly and going away from um street food to actually this this is another um another restaurant that started out as a pop-up but it's a completely okay. different vibe is from a girl called Alex Healy Hutchinson okay. um and it's called 26 grains she started out i think in a pop-up around Neil's yard and now she's got a permanent site there oh yeah um, and she started a, a little restaurant called 26 Grains. It's a celebration of all the grains. <laughs> yeah. Apparently there's two <laughs> types of grains, which I didn't know. So the ancient grains, things like spelt, barley and rye. Okay. And then you've got pseudo grains, which are things which look like grains or there are similar characteristics. Um, and they act in the same way, but they're not actually true grains. Quinoa, buckwheat, uh-huh. amaranth, that kind of thing. And she also uses things like millet. Um her ethos is that she uses whole grains, um, nothing that's been messed around with. Okay. So you're basically getting all the nutrition from the grain yeah. as well. So very healthy in that. Very healthy. Um, again, I think we're seeing this big trend for breakfast that we've been talking about recently. Getting, getting bigger and bigger. Um, one of the interesting things that she does with with it is she makes a porridge, but a, a savoury porridge, which okay. I think Dan's probably got a savoury porridge in He's his got a book too. In there. Yeah, yeah he loves so congee country. is um, a rice based porridge, yes. Asian. Um, her porridge is this one is actually made with oats and okay. chicken stock, and then it's mixed with kind of kale and spices and topped with a fried egg. Great, because you can't fail. I love that. Our Gregor will like yeah. that. <laughs> And then, like, staying with the breakfast vibe, um, she uh, uses buckwheat and millet to make waffles. So they're much more kind of, I mean, they're delicious looking, but I imagine that they've just got a bit more nutritional value in them than just a sort of flour and egg waffle, though we love that as well. Yeah, yeah. If you can shove a few more nutrients in there, why not? Yeah, exactly. Without compromising on the (laughs) flavour. Her cooking is, it it hits on quite a lot of trends at the moment. So apart from breakfast... We've got stuff like um, an autumn salad with roasted buckwheat, pickled um, pickled beetroot, walnuts and labana. Gosh. And the labana, which um, if if people don't know, is a strained yogurt, which it's is so seasoned and then strained. So you end up with this kind of almost cheesy yogurt, which is gorgeous on salads. It's got a really nice tang to it, yeah, hasn't it? Really and it's a really tang. Yeah. creamy texture. It's delicious. And I think that's, that's sort of shown that kind of slightly Middle Eastern-y, trendy mm. And then again, there's a lovely recipe for um, roasted turmeric cauliflower. Turmeric's huge at the minute. It seems to be in everything, yeah, but we love yeah. it. Um, and that's with quinoa, samphire and dukkha. And dukkha's like this Middle Eastern spice and nut mix, yeah. which you sprinkle on things. And so sort of gives it extra juice to it. That's really nice and colourful. I can see from the picture there. That's yeah. a really nice colourful dish as well, isn't it? So I think, I think fans of um, a kind of quite simple cooking and nutritious cooking, but also bringing in some real... Um, health health trends but not not sort of really out there mm. I mean all the recipes in this book are pretty hearty so I think if you if you are looking for something a bit of inspiration but you want to keep things quite 
healthy, um, then you know this is definitely one to pick up. That's 26 Grains by Alex Healy Hutchinson. Fantastic. Well, I think there are three really good recommendations yeah, really good. for the next few weeks. Um, and if you want any more information on grains, we've, I just remembered we've got a great feature online. Yeah, we do. We're kind of giving a breakdown of grains. Or you can go and buy this book, obviously. Don't forget you can uh, look at some of Dan's brilliant recipes from our archive on olivemagazine.com too. And we will keep you posted of any new great cookbooks coming up soon. Yeah, All right. Do. Thanks, Janine. Thank you very much. You really can't beat a good cookery book. And if you're feeling inspired to add to your collection, don't forget we've got our own Olive Magazine cookery books out too. Just head to Amazon or a good bookshop and you'll be able to find our 100 best collection of cookery books. They are super good value and packed with your favourite tried and tested recipes from Olive Magazine. You can also buy the ebook version of those. And don't forget you can get our digital app too if you'd rather read our magazine in a digital version. But before you do any of those things, keep listening because next up we have Anna, our cookery writer, who's sharing her top tips on slow cooking in the summer. So I am here with lovely Anna, our cookery writer, and she is going to be sharing some incredible secrets for the slow cooker uh, to use in the summer, aren't you? Now, I only ever use mine in the winter, and even then I probably only use it once or twice because it's a big hefty thing and I keep it in my basement. um, And then I just, when I do get out, I cook stews and things, Anna. So you are the complete opposite, right? You use yours like every week. I actually use it more than my oven. Are you joking? Um, That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so it's always in use in winter, summer, anything. Okay. Um, so there are some really good tips how to use it in the summer. The main benefit really is that you don't have to turn your oven on. So if you've got That's um, a hot flat or house, it's yeah, it's really good for um, so you're not sort of adding to the heat in there. Definitely, because that's the worst thing, isn't it? When you're trying to cook lots of things, you've got the hob on, you've got the oven on, yeah. and it's hot summer as well. It's not <laughs> ideal. So I usually do a lot of marinara sauces because there's a lot of tomatoes um, around yeah. this time. And it's almost that everything is ready at once, if you, especially if you grow things. Yeah. So, or you can buy, you know, bulk buy things mm-hmm. for quite cheap. So I do a lot of um, sort of slow-cooked tomato sauces and then freeze it in batches for like quick mid, midweek uh, pasta dishes or even pizza sauces, pizza That's bases. That's such a good idea. And I'm terrible if I make tomato sauces because I always get it splattered all over the tiles behind yeah. <laughs> with it reducing. So That's a really good idea just to contain the mess more than anything. Yeah, it's, and if you sieve it as well, it's just, it's, it is just like a regular passata or Brilliant. something, which is really nice. Um, and then you can also do chutneys as well. So if you've wow. you know, if you've got loads of tomatoes, you could do like a quick tomato chutney um, or like a really easy gooseberry jam or something. Mm. So um, is that the same as if you'd make it on the stove in terms of texture and taste and yeah it's the same it's the same taste the only difference is that you the sugar doesn't get to the same temperature right so you could use your same the same chutney recipe but it probably wouldn't last as long so you'd have to keep it it'd be like a fresh chutney so you'd keep it in the fridge for a few weeks okay um but it's great for onion chutney oh, and uh pepinata so and things like that so. which is perfect for this time of the year yeah exactly well good for your barbecue meats and yeah. buns and things cool that's the other thing you can do in the slow cooker so there's a lot of um meat recipes that you could do so pulled pork carnitas even ribs you could do in the slow cooker for the first cooking just so you don't really have to think about that first initial step Mm -hmm. you can just bang it in the slow cooker so um for tacos and pulled pork buns and things like that you just cook it the first the first um the long and slow cook to sort of make the fall apart meat that's in the slow cooker a couple of days before overnight or something and then you add the glaze and then put it on the barbecue or 
yeah under the grill that is such good advice because that's a really hard thing to nail I think on a barbecue is getting that low and slow and getting the meat really tender and the smoke and the char whereas here you're just taking all of that hassle out you can prep you can do all of the slow cooking during the week and then char it on the weekend when you have your barbecue yeah and the cooking's consistent as well so you don't really have to worry about it so if you're doing that on the barbecue then you know you'd have to be topping up the coals and things like that for the for the low and slow um, and we've got a really good recipe for Dr Pepper ribs as well, which would oh, be perfect that for so good. <laughs> slow cooking. Another thing that I usually do, um, perfect for midweek really, is uh, summer t- tagines okay. and ragouts and things like that. So aubergine, tomato, mm. ragout, um, or say like a chickpea tagine or something like that. So, you know, whatever veg you've got in your fridge, you just sort of whack it all in and then put it on slow with a bit of harissa. Oh, that's a great idea. One pot as well, one pot to wash up. Yeah. Okay, I love this. Um, Yeah, a few other ideas. um, I usually do like chicken cacciatore or a quinoa chilli as well which is oh, quite popular with the team at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we all talk about how often we cook and it's amazing. <laughs> Quinoa chilli, so it's vegan, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And um, it's it's really got depth of flavour and I imagine it just gets better in the slow cooker. Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah because the quinoa sort of absorbs all the flavours mm. and... Um, yeah, and then we can do a Mexican chicken and chili stew or something like that as well. So, so good. Yeah. So, is it just dinners that you can do in the slow cooker? I actually do a lot of porridge in the slow cooker as well. See, I'd never think to do that. I'm yeah. learning so much. <laughs> <laughs> you could do the porridge in a slow cooker, but you can also do the toppings as well. So, okay. I'm thinking stewed fruits and uh, flaked almonds or something like that on top. So, it's more of a summery porridge, but you're still full you know, yeah. in the morning. Um, and you can also do stewed fruits for dessert as well. So you could serve them with ice cream. In could a fool or something. Yeah, or, oh, that'd be lovely, like yeah. a rhubarb fool. Yes. Um, and you can do poached pears. Poached pears, yeah. that's a really good idea. So you can put them in in the morning and then they'll be ready for your dessert. The perfect domestic goddess or god, <laughs> depending on who you are. But yeah. what, what a great idea. I should have used it more because I learned a very good lesson with um, a chap called Arthur Potts Dawson, who's one of my favourite chefs a couple of years ago. But one thing he kind of taught me about slow cooking is how energy efficient it is. Not just that it is the one pot to wash up, which I love, um, but a slow cooker uses the same energy as a light bulb. So compared to your oven, you're saving so much energy. And so you're saving the planet and you're saving your electricity or, you know, gas bill as well. So that's only a good thing, right? Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, So... Have you got any other tips that we need to share or should we just point everyone to our wonderful website? Yeah, there are loads of recipes for that we've sort of adapted to to, to use in a slow cooker. Um, I use the sage Heston Blumenthal. Uh, it's a com- combination of a pressure cooker and a slow cooker okay. as well. So it's really useful. But we actually, we have a reader offer for the instant pots, which are go, which everyone's loving at the moment. Oh, yes. And we yeah. get some really good feedback from those, which is sort of even make, making it even easier is that there's sort of, sort of a button for everything. I love a button for everything. <laughs> Just make my life as easy as possible, please. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, so every issue of Olive, we always have some great reader offers. So make sure you have a look at there. We're, they're um, highlighted in our contents page if you need to find them quickly, where you can save some great money on some great gadgets. And Anna's amazing feature online has got even more top tips. So just head to olivemagazine.com and search for slow cooking and you've got plenty of ideas there. Thank you so much, Anna. That was so, so interesting. And I'm definitely dusting mine down. <laughs> I'm putting it on the side this evening to cook. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, to celebrate afternoon tea week and the incredible heat wave that just won't let up here, we headed to Fortnum and Mason in Piccadilly, London. 
Okay, so we're here at Fortnum & Mason with Sydney, the executive chef. Sydney, tell us a bit about how long you've been here for and the tradition of afternoon tea at Fortnum & Mason. Uh, so I've worked at Fortnum & Mason for three years. Um, afternoon tea has been served in Fortnum & Mason for many years, um, most famously now in the Diamond Jubilee Tea Salon, where we can do up to as many as over 500 covers on a Saturday. Um, most days at the moment serving 400 covers. Um, and obviously... The tea salons was opened by the Queen, and so uh, it's a, a great experience for people to come and eat there. So tell me a bit about the afternoon tea itself. So you were telling me earlier there's up to about, is it 40 different teas you can have, and they're designed to go along with the different layers on the tea, uh, the tea trays? That's right. We have over 40 teas uh, available in the tea salon. The idea is you choose different teas of your preference with each course, from the sandwiches to the scones to the top plate of uh, pastries. Um, and you're able to change as you as you wish. We also have tea tastings where you're able to have a tea tasting done at the table. And why do you think uh, the, the tradition of afternoon tea has been so enduring in, in Britain's history? It, it's such a big thing and it seems to be having a real revival at the moment as well. And it's afternoon tea week this week, so everybody's getting involved. Uh, I just think that people in the afternoon, if they've been into London, visiting London, they want a leisurely afternoon. It's something which they feel relaxed, uh, can spend a lot of time with their friends or family and celebrate a lot of events and it's just become increasingly popular and like you say it's had a real revival over the last couple of years. It's another way to get in a good meal in the day isn't there you've got breakfast lunch afternoon tea and dinner. <laughs> if you can cope with having afternoon tea as well as lunch then it's a great great way to enjoy yourself. How often does the afternoon tea menu change at Fortnum? Uh, we change it about three, three to four times a year obviously to fit in with the seasons um, and we try and try and get as many seasonal products on the menu because we do not only do we do a sweet afternoon tea, we do a savoury afternoon tea and high tea, which is a, obviously a very traditional thing, high tea. Um, so we change it as often as we can, um, and we do have a lot of regulars, so that's important. So tell us what's on the menus at the moment. What are the sort of highlights that we should be looking out for if we come to Fortnum and Mason? Uh, we, we have things like if a high tea, sea trout on croute. You know, we have uh, Rosa Claire, which features in, in, a, in the Sunday, um, and, and all those sort of really lemon cheesecake, really, really high quality products, but we try and keep a mixture of richness and lightness within the menu. So you did hint at it there, but we're here today to talk about the new ice cream range that you have launched and the afternoon tea Sunday as well. So what was the idea behind that? Well, Fallen and Masons is famous for innovation, um, and obviously we were famous... Uh, for the Knickerbocker Glory in the 1950s in the Fountain. We decided to do an afternoon tea version of that. Uh, we've spent about the last nine months developing, developing the ideas. And the idea was to use the flavours from the afternoon tea within ice creams and sorbets to make an afternoon tea version of the Knickerbocker Glory. So the Sunday has arrived and it looks incredible and Sydney's just recommended that I start with the cone. So on the side of the plate we've got a tiny little ice cream cone and the coronation ice cream. Looks good. Mm. That's amazing. The thing is what you'll find with this, with the coronation chicken, is it'll be very something different on your palate because it'll be savoury and you're expecting something to be sweet and it's, it's got an element of sweetness because of mango chutney but the spices will give you some savoury so it's a, a little bit of a bounce on your palate to for something you might not expect with, a, with an ice cream sundae. It definitely tastes familiar but really weird and different and it's a good way to kick off your palate to something exciting. So now on the top 
we've got a little tiny beautiful mini rose eclair which Fortnum are famous for and that's got an edible rose petal on top so I'm going to have to have some of that I'm sorry because you can hear me eating now which isn't very pleasant mm, that's amazing tell me about the eclairs as well Sydney well obviously um, shoe, shoe pastry work and eclairs and profiteroles have all become very very fashionable obviously they're classical French in tradition but obviously we've always served uh, eclairs and shoe buns and things within within the store for many years and they feature on the menu so rose eclair is on the top plate as we speak this week um, and you know it's it's very popular and you get people who will ask that as a repeat thing to have on the top plate if they ask for a refresh so you know it's uh, it's an important part of the menu and my Fortnum are actually famous for rose and violet as well aren't they we do uh, rose and violet creams as biscuits that's what we're famous and we've also done that as a flame of flavor for ice cream because obviously we try and use some of the some of the things we're famous for for other profiles on on the ice creams so so i've tucked in a little bit more while sydney was talking there because i couldn't wait so we've had the italian meringue which has got a lovely caramelization we've got a scone on top too is that with clotted cream clotted cream and, and strawberry jam and then, so the next ice cream is strawberry and scones, I think. Right, strawberries and scones and jam. That's after you go through the Italian meringue. And then after that, you'll follow through to the uh, rose eclair and another ball of uh, scones and j- jam interceded with fresh strawberry and some popping candy. And then after that, the cucumber sorbet with ribbons of cucumber. And then also round, round, the, round the actual glass will be some afternoon tea syrup. To obviously bring the tea element with that tea element into this Sunday, as we're so famous for tea. Hopefully, you can't hear the popping candy in my mouth right now, but it's it's really really good. What's great about the Sunday is it's got lots of different textures in there. So you've got pieces of actual scone throughout the ice cream. You've got the fresh fruit, the really refreshing sorbet. But if you're not uh, sadly not having a chance to sit down in the restaurant, you can buy the tubs of ice cream and make something similar at home, can't you, Sydney? That's right. So the idea is we've made those in a retail version, strawberries and scone, rose ripple, cucumber and mint and coronation. The idea is that to simplify for somebody to make this Sunday at home, they can easily make some cucumber ribbons, make a little tea syrup, and then a lot of the other elements are ready for them to actually put together. Um, on the top you can do the Italian meringue if you want to stay traditional if not you could do whipped cream if you didn't want to do that and obviously you can you can get a little rose eclair if you do, don't wish to make that you can buy that from a lovely patisserie and a little baby scone and you, you can finish your dish off and it would be a great thing to serve either for during the day in the afternoon or would be great for a dinner party definitely would and one thing I noticed when I was looking at the parlor menu as well that you have a couple of like hard shakes which are very trendy at the moment where you've got some gin with your gin and tonic sorbet and things like that so I'd imagine that the cucumber sorbet would be great in a cocktail that's right yeah you could easily this this could easily be adjusted to have some alcohol in or as you say using something like the cucumber mint sorbet would great be great in a gin cocktail or float um and you could really serve that all day, really. You know, you could, you could do the cucumber and gin float before you were going to have a dinner. Fantastic. Um, it, it is great. Thank you so much for having us here, Sydney. This is a fantastic invention. Is this on all summer or is it on forevermore? No, or? it's going to be on forevermore. <laughs> so uh, we better get used to making it. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed. 
So, Coronation Ice Cream, who knew that was a thing? You have to go and try it. And while you're there, make sure you try the incredible grown-up ice lollies, including a champagne ice lolly that Sarah, our drinks writer, recommended in The Measure a few issues ago. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Don't forget to tweet us, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Snail Mail. Call us. We're here. We want to hear from you. And don't forget to please, please, please rate us with a a massive five stars on iTunes to make sure as many people as possible can listen to us. You can subscribe for free so you can have your favourite episode downloaded straight to your phone or desktop each week via Acast, iTunes or your favourite podcast provider. Spread the word. Get in touch. We love hearing from you. Happy eating. Happy listening. And we'll see you next week.